1: Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Investor Intelligence, brought to you by the team at The Property Mentors. It's your weekly podcast for all things investment and hosted by me, Phoebe Sikowski wallace So today is a very special episode. It's the first time I've had not one, not two, but three guests at the same time. My first guest is Mario Vinaccia. Mario is a specialist in all things investment, accounting, and self-managed super funds. Welcome, Mario. Good morning. (laughs) I've also got Georgia King. Welcome, Georgia. Good morning. (laughs) And we're lucky enough to be also joined by Luke Harris, who is the CEO and founder of The Property Mentors and our investment expert. Welcome, Luke.
2: Thank you, Phoebe. Nice to be here.
1: <laughs> so, guys, most people at least have a vague idea of what superannuation is. It's the money that you put away for your retirement. Um, although we're not talking about that everyday super that we all know of today. We're actually going to be talking more specifically about SMSFs, so self-managed super funds. So, Mario, to most SMSFs can be quite a complex product. There's a lot of sort of ins and outs of them. Would you agree?
3: Yes, I agree. Yep. Yeah.
1: And Luke, I've got you here as not only our investment expert, but someone who knows them well from having one yourself. So you can kind of talk to them in that sense.
2: Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, for yeah.
1: sure. So I have heaps of questions today um, surrounding the SMSFs. These are all questions that our mentors at the Property Mentors have provided as these are the most common questions they're, they're hearing and they're getting asked day in, day out about this particular topic. So really want to cover them off today. So we're happy to get straight into them.
3: Yeah, go for it.
1: Fantastic. So Mario, it may sound self-explanatory, but what is a self-managed super fund and what does it allow you to do that a regular super fund doesn't?
3: All right, uh, the self-managed superannuation fund helps you um, in- do your own investments. If you go through an industry fund, basically those investments are already decided for you. Um, someone who wants to do something outside what most industry funds do, like for instance, purchase a property, um, do some mortgage lending through their self-managed super funds, they can you've got more control and you, and you have more flexibility in what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's, that's the benefit. Of having a self managed superannuation fund. It gives you more opportunity to invest in other areas, which industry funds don't.
1: Okay. And can you invest in anything with an SMSF? Because surely there's a bit of a catch where people would just sort of buy whatever they want.
3: Yeah, there's restrictions, like for instance, paintings. You can't invest in paintings. Um, Artworks is another part, is artworks, paintings, but also some people buy antique cars through. the restrictions in relation to what you can and can't do. All right, Mm -hmm. Because the whole purpose of this is is is, is to build wealth for an individual for retirement. Um, It also um, doesn't allow you to have personal access to those assets. So you can't, like for instance, a painting, you can't stick it in your office or at home. It has to be um, um, stored somewhere else offsite, away from private use as such. Uh, and Antec cars the same thing. Some people like to drive their cars on weekends and things like that. You're restricted. You can't do that. Okay. Right? Um, uh, so, there's the restrictions in relation to what you can't and can't have. In the fund,
2: right? So, Mario, so that means a self managed super fund. You can buy uh, artwork and uh, you can buy. Antique cars. You can even buy gold and silver and things like that. But the my understanding is you've got to have it stored somewhere else. You've got to have it insured as well, uh, and you can't use it personally. So, like you said, you can't hang, you know, a, a famous artwork on the wall at home. You have to have it stored yeah. somewhere secure and have it insured. There's a lot of restrictions on yeah. on that.
3: Well, there, there's restrictions also on the, on the percentage of ownership of, of what the percentage of ownership in relation to artwork over your overall assets. So you can't go over a certain percentage. I think it's about 5% towards 5%. Right. So, so um, if you've got a million dollar fund and you've got $500,000 worth of paintings in there, artwork, well, then you can't have it. Okay. So, um, so, but the ATO are very restrictive in relation to that type of investments. So you just got to be mindful of that um, and you've got to do the right things. A lot of people don't, um, like, for instance, insurance. So many times previous clients have had um, artwork in their funds and... and for one reason or another, they haven't had insurance and the auditor picks it up and we've picked it up So, um, and there's a breach. So they have to be reported to the ATO and it sort of starts at a roller coaster of um, uh, what happens with the ATO. So yeah. we want a nice, clean fund that we can do investments with and, um, and then we can build wealth through our retirement.
1: Mm. So taking all of your super and putting it under your own control can sound really daunting. That sounds like a lot of work, um, especially when you consider all the rules and restrictions that you've just mentioned. Yeah. Um, how important is it then to have the right accountant to help you set it up and manage it properly? And are there risks of having the wrong accountant?
3: Oh, of course, mm. um, you, you'd need someone who's going to be working with you. So yes, it is daunting in relation to having your own SMSF. Um, but if you have the team around you that can help you. Mm. Um, accountants the right uh, financial planner that uh, the right um, mentors it helps a lot yeah um, and the, with the compliance issue side of things that's what a good accountant does he keeps the date with everything in relation to requirements of lodging things on time with the ato and, and so on and so on so and getting your um audited done the audit done on the smsf so we go through that whole process mm-hmm. and we guide our clients through all that mm-hmm. so they're not left here just go away and just when you come back every 12 months and just give us the bank statements or whatever it might be, uh, we don't do that process. We, we hold their hands through the whole process. We make sure that the um, the member understands their role and yeah. what they're required to do. Um, people like Georgia will send uh, checklists out to clients when it's ready to be done uh, um, so they can collate all their information. Most times we have access anyway. So... Um, so that helps like when, when we have to collate information to do tax returns and so on.
1: And there are accountants who don't necessarily specialise in SMSFs. Like, that's not an across the board. If you're an accountant, you know how to do SMSFs. So or there's some that really specialise it and others that may specialise in Well, others?
3: yeah. Look, look for, for instance, myself, I'm also an SMS auditor. So I'm also going do all the compliance work with all that. I've got a, um, a diploma in financial planning. So I've, I've, build a lot of knowledge in that area Mm -hmm. Um, you have some clients some accountants that just purely do um, compliance work and that's it yeah nothing else Um, but uh, I've, I've I like to hold people's hands through the whole process,
2: um, giving them guidance where I can and help Mm -hmm. them build up their wealth one way or another. I think also just when you're asking the question about whether some accountants specialise in this or not, Mm -hmm. the the, uh, accountant that you see that can do your tax return for $99, for example, they are not the people to speak to about setting up a self-managed super fund. Um, There are also companies online that just do self-managed super fund setups. But obviously, when you're talking about setting up something so important, um, you don't want generic advice. You don't want to talk to somebody that's going to give you a cookie cutter mm. type setup. Uh, there's obviously a lot of things which I, I won't discuss. I'll leave that to, to Mario and to Georgia. But obviously, you know, the the deed that goes into that, obviously behind the scenes, there's the, the how the fund is going to operate and all of those things need to come into consideration as well. And you certainly don't want to... Uh, Save money on those things by going to a cheap online version that might not give you the outcome. Yeah, that you so it's need. not the place. So, not so, the place to cut corners. So yeah, it's definitely not. And you're talking about your retirement, and your long-term mm-hmm. financial future. So having a, an accounting firm that specialises in in investors and and really focuses on the investor and their long-term goals and works closely with us here at the Property Mentors mm-hmm. to to align the long-term goals with the, the super fund outcomes. Uh, it's really powerful to do that. And obviously, um, it's not the area that you want to. Try and cut corners or save, you know, save a hundred bucks here or there. Mm.
1: Has anyone ever seen any horror stories of people going to the wrong accountant and then you having to fix up <laughs> fix up <laughs> the mess? <laughs> we,
3: we've had we've had some um, whereby mm. um, the immunity accounting work that was done and it was done by a lot, fairly large group. I won't make it, say any names, mm. but it was uh, done pretty uh, poorly. And when Georgia sat through okay. and trying to reconcile the, the asset values and things like that. It wasn't matching, and their 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 comeback was, "Oh, we just um, reconciled everything back to market movement." It -hmm. just didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So the bank account was out of whack, the asset holdings were out of whack, the shareholdings were out of whack. It was just, it was uh, a nightmare. mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah.
2: if you don't have the proper accountant or someone who specialises in that kind of um, in SMSFs, yeah, you there is issues. Yeah, you need to find the right person. Um, People who understand, like here with us, we take pride. Of what we do, and especially with um SMSFs, you need to make sure that you have the right person who can actually guide you, like Mario said, that can show you that um, the right way of doing an SMSF and knowing that you can grow this fund, and then when you come to retirement, you you don't have to worry about the fund. Mm. You know that the the wealth is in there.
1: Yeah.
2: Um. But yeah, I've had um yeah very difficult times with some clients <laughs> like. Not our clients, new clients coming on board because mm. of their SMS has been just
1: horrible.
2: Yeah, okay. They haven't had the proper advice. I right. think it's super important if you are setting one yeah. up from the start to get it right from the start, whereas mm. a lot of people might just rush into it, mm. uh, go with the cheapest option or go with something online uh, or, you know, do it yourself kind of setup. And then they find that there's problems later on that can cost money and time to, to fix. And that's just, you know, you do it right from the start and then you're not going to have problems later on.
1: Mm. So speaking of costs, I actually do want to talk a bit about the costs associated with setting one up. So does it cost a lot to get an SMSF set up and should you have a certain balance before you consider it?
3: All right, um, cost of setting up um, normally is a, is, a, is a once-off cost. That's mm-hmm. basically setting up the deed itself with all the rules and regulations for the fund. There's also the trustee company as such and um, that we also establish. And, and we, we charge about two and a half plus GST to set it up. All right? okay. um, members balances, um, what, what, how much they should be using. Look, I know the ATO has got a rule of thumb saying around, around about 200. Yeah. Um, but again, it all depends on the strategy you're putting in place. All right. If you've got a strategy that's and it's a long term strategy and you stick by that strategy, you're more than make, make it up very quickly. All right. Um, but everyone's different. All right. So you got to look, it's not just sitting there right there. Let's do it straight away and put them. Whatever you've got, ten thousand or twenty, it just doesn't work that much. That's too slow, right? Too low. We have to build that up to a certain amount, and then get them to invest in a self-managed super fund because there are compliance costs every year. Compliance costs—you know—you're looking at another two and a half to three grand a year to do. All right, yeah. that includes um, our fee, preparation, tax returns, also the auditor's fee. You've got government. Uh, fees that you pay every year, so the, and, that, and they're indexed every year. All right? um, we, we try to start as low as possible when we do our accounts because of the fact that we're in the growing process. But as the fund grows, our fees will grow too because okay. of, there's a lot more work involved mm-hmm. as such. So um, yes, there, there, there's a cost associated with setting one up and also uh, running it every year. But again, it all comes down to the strategies um, that you're comfortable with and you sit down with your mentors and, and planners or whatever it might be, um, including us accountants at, at times, um, and try to say, right, this is where we're starting. We're starting at this point. Within the next five to 10 years, we should be here. Mm-hmm. right? Uh, and then if you've got a team of experts around you. You, you sit down every year, you go through that whole process. Where's the finance? Why isn't it achieved what this is? What, property markets, because things are changing at the moment. Mm.
2: Constantly. Right?
3: Yeah. yeah, constantly. Interest rates are going up. Mm. What's happening? Um... um it's it property prices are coming down. They're not increasing as they used to be. right? But how long is that going to happen? We don't know. It's a crystal ball. But you know, is a property market going to bounce back? Of course it will. Sure. Yeah. It happens all the time. So you just got to be mindful of that and people don't to panic. because so they might buy a property today mm. and they feel like it's dropped to ten thousand because of interest rate rises. Mm. Yeah. Don't panic mm. because long term it's going to jump oh. back. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, uh, it's mm. it's like I shouldn't say this, but I bought a property many years ago for 109, and I sold it for 750. And there was that property, same property, was resold for 1.3. Yeah. Wow! So it, 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 you can see that property does increase in value if yeah. it's in the right area, um, the income-producing side of things, new schools, public transports, and all that. It will grow. Yeah. Um, it just takes a little
2: bit of extra time. That's all. Yeah. I think when we're talking about fees, we've got to keep in mind that when you've got a, a industry fund, you're already paying fees. A lot of people don't uh, notice that because it just comes out of their statements. A lot of people, I've seen people that I've lived with, friends and family over the years that have seen their super fund statement come in, open it, throw it to one side, because they don't understand it. Um, and when if you look through that and look at the fees you're paying, you're already paying fees. So the way that I look at a self-managed super fund and for myself personally setting up the fund, um, we looked at the costs of doing that when it was first set up many years ago obviously with with Mario who's been my personal accountant for 15 years or so now mm-hmm. and we looked at the cost of doing that and then I said to Mario I can make more money than those fees. And when we looked at it that way, I was, I was very firm. I said, I, I know I can make more money than, than what I'm getting from yeah. the fund now. And because of that, the, the self-managed super fund has continued to grow. And what that means is that, yes, the, the fees go up over time because there's more accounting to do. There's more auditing to do. There's more compliances, uh, compliance checks and balances to be done. But what that means is that the fund is actually growing. So if it's growing, that's a good thing. Uh, And of course, when we're looking at retirement benefits, it's not money that I can access now anyway. Mm -hmm. So when we're we're getting good advice to grow the fund, it's worth paying for, right? Because a lot of people think, oh, the fees are high. Well, you're getting fees for good advice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there are compliance things like getting an audit done has to be an independent auditor every year. And then there's an ASIC fee to keep the fund going. It's two or $300 a year. So there are a few fees to consider, but be mindful of the fact that you're already paying fees with your industry fund anyway. Uh, What those fees are is going to be different for everybody. Um, but I think the difference with that is that you're getting your own team of people to help you with the decisions rather than leaving it to fund managers who could be sitting in a boardroom somewhere that you never get to meet or speak to.
1: Yeah. And are the setup costs and all the other costs that you just mentioned there, are they out of pocket or can you pay it through your super? Yeah,
3: you can pay it through your super. Yeah. Okay. So um,
1: I think that's a very attractive well, option for that, a lot of people. That aspect, yeah.
3: And also as people grow their por- portfolios, for instance, one of the major things I always look at is making sure that there's a proper life insurance policy in place, mm-hmm. right? Um, because you're borrowing all this money, right, to build your wealth and that sort of things. If anything happens to you, who's the main breadwinner and, and driving force behind creating this wealth? Um, something happens where you need, um, you want to leave your family, your loved ones, mm-hmm. with something to fall back on. And having that life insurance policy, um, and what a lot of people do is put it through their self-managed super fund to help help for that scenario. So, again, it's not out of their own pocket mm-hmm. as such, but Um, It's out of the uh, the super uh,
2: and it's providing some wealth protection for the family moving forward. Yeah, yeah. So, Mario, if I was looking to set up a self-managed super fund from scratch, I can come to you and all of the costs involved in doing that can come out of the super fund once it's set up. That's right. hundred
3: percent.
0: Not all accountants are the same. And when you throw investment income in with your personal income, things can get complicated. Outgoing expenses, depreciation, loan write-offs, they all need to be handled correctly to make your investment work for you. Finding the right accountant is important. Visit investorintelligence.com.au forward slash accounting to find your next investment accountant.
1: So, Almost everyone has a super fund. Um, this is one of the questions that was submitted. So how is it more beneficial for someone to have an SMSF when they have a super superannuation already and they don't have to do any admin for it? Surely it's easier for them to just leave it where it is. I guess the question is how much actual managing of the self-managed super fund do you do yourself?
3: All right. Well, it, look, it's the it's compliance side of things. Um, the it's making the decision when, like, you want to go down the SMSF route is is basically what do you want to do is your main goal in relation to creating wealth, right? Yes, you can live in an industry fund and not worry about it and put it there, mm. but if you're looking at buying other properties or particular properties, one example would be like for instance, if I I was a panel beater, for instance, right, and I, I all of a sudden I uh, operate through a, a, a warehouse side of things, and all of a sudden it comes up for sale, I can actually go and buy that through my self managed superannuation fund. Instead of paying a third-party rent, I can actually pay rent to my self-managed super fund to grow wealth that way. Yeah. So there, there are scenarios where it, it, it will work for people as such, um, but we're here to help. And that's where the um, us as accountants, um, you have your um, people like property mentors and you've got people like um, financial planners that um, we work with and all those sort of things to guide through that process. Mm-hmm. Right? Um, checklists, we send out checklists. So it's it's yes, um, it might be just getting some bank statements together. where it's not a lot of work. Okay. Such we do mm. most of it ourselves.
1: Okay.
3: All right. Um, but we still need to make sure we tick all the boxes um, as um, members. They need to make sure that they are compliant, and mm. we and we we help them through that process because there are ASIC rules that you know certain directors of trustee companies like for, for South Major have to comply with their um, knowledge and making sure things are lodged on time. Okay. Right? Yeah.
2: Um, but that's where we come into it.
1: Okay.
2: So being self-managed doesn't mean that you're doing all of the work yourself and it doesn't mean you have to spend two or three hours a week managing the fund. There's not actually a huge amount of actual work to do. There is some initial work in obviously setting up. There's paperwork. It's like a loan application. You've got to get all your documents together, submit it all to the right people, which is obviously the accounting team. They will do what they need to do and then they'll contact you for the next steps. They'll let you know what you need to sign and make sure it's all set up Mm -hmm. and compliant and it's their job to make sure that it is set up properly. Mm. And then, of course, the, the ongoing maintenance and compliance, there's ongoing communication. The same as you do with a normal tax return, there's tax returns and documents required for the self-managed super fund. And for me personally, doing my own, it's just as simple as doing a tax return and doing yeah. all the other mm. compliance stuff. And really, Mario and his team uh, really saying this is what you need to sign, this is what you need to read, and this is the next steps. As far as the actual investments are concerned, whenever I'm looking at making an investment decision, I'll discuss it with my mortgage broker and the team and make sure that we're compliant. We, we're mm-hmm. compliant with the, the CIS Act, which is the um, superannuation act mm-hmm. that they have put in place to make sure everyone sure. is compliant. Um, these are things that as an investor, you will learn over time. You don't need to know all of this up front. Yeah. Um, this is the thing that a lot of people, like we mentioned at the start, it is a bit daunting setting up something like this because you're thinking it's, oh, I've, I've got to now be a super fund manager. Yeah, right? yeah. You don't have to have 20 years experience in investing and, and do all of that. The reality is, is that if you're buying property and investing already, it's really not a huge amount different to do it in a self-managed super fund. I've found through my own personal experience, there are some different laws around um, lending and and things like that. Um, But the reality is is that it gives me personally the opportunity to build another property portfolio inside my super fund and borrow money, whereas beforehand the super fund couldn't borrow money. Mm. And that allows me to have more assets in my superannuation fund than what I had beforehand. So looking at the costs for me personally, I've got more money working for me in the marketplace to offset those costs. Mm.
1: Yeah. So, okay. So basically, if you've got your team of experts around you, yeah. it's only just that maybe educating yourself a little bit more. That's mainly the effort. And as you said, collecting all the documents, which that's in right. the scheme of things is not that much more effort if you're wanting to start an investing journey anyway. Yeah.
3: Well, it's like if you start off with um, a bank account in one property, for instance, well, all you, just the bank statements of the um, of the self managed super fund, your loan statements for the self managed super fund. Uh, and, uh, and, um, and your rental statement, for the annual rental statement you get from the agent who looks after your property. So it's not a lot of information mm. as such. And and today you can just jump on the internet and download your you know, transactions for um, for from first of July to 30th of June every year. Yeah. So it's not that hard. Oh. But some people find it daunting because they just don't want to worry about it. Yeah, or think there's more to it. It there isn't. Um, it's and just that's, that
1: self managed. Yeah, 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 <laughs>
3: yeah. But um, it's but you. What I always say to Members is that you just can't set up a fund and walk away and not think about it
2: anymore. Of course, yeah, you have got, got to actively c- be involved. It's finance. not a, it's exactly. not a set and forget. And I think if if you're an active property investor anyway, and one of our members at the Property Mentors, you're going to have that ongoing relationship with your mentor, mm-hmm. and you're going to have those ongoing conversations about your finance and where your next property is coming from and how you're going to finance and structure it. So the most active members that we have at the Property Mentors are always having those conversations anyway. So. The most active people, the ones that want to actually get involved in, you know, selecting the properties and um, looking after the finance, lodging tax returns, they're always going to be active in that space. And mm-hmm. it's it's really good to learn this stuff, learning how uh, these products work and learning how you, you can actually get a better result. It's all part of your education as an investor to learn what your options are. Now, if you choose to learn about it and not set up a self-managed super fund, that's fine but at least you've learned the options and you can say yes or no with that education behind. And that's why we wanted to do a podcast today because we can teach people about what are these? What is this big scary SMSF thing that people talk about? It is in the media a lot, and obviously a lot of the the property magazines and articles and things that you read out there are, are talking about it. Um, but for for me, it just allows me to go out there and buy more property.
1: Mm. So we touched on it just a little bit at the start, but if you wanted to increase your super balance, either before or after moving to an SMSF,
3: mm-hmm.
1: how does that work?
3: Well, your employer um, contributes every. Every month or every quarter, everyone might be. So and instead of putting them through an industry fund, you're putting it into your self managed superannuation fund. Mm-hmm. So it goes through that way. Some people like to also go in partnership with other people. So you can have mm-hmm. more than one member in the fund. So mm-hmm. you might have two or three, you know, maximum now you can up to, up to six. Six, okay. All right. So so you can build it that way. So if there's a, um, Family members, for instance, that want to do it together, by all means, go ahead. They can set up a jointly the fund, so that it, they can share the costs mm-hmm. and not worrying about oh, I'm paying for all this out of my own pocket. Out of the, it, it allows you to, to do that. Um, what some people do, um, I've got um, clients that um, two business partners together in one Southman mm-hmm. Superannuation Fund um, that own commercial properties or vice or versa, residential properties. They've allowed to do all that. Um, and they're sharing the costs between the two of them, so it gives you the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Okay. Just before we go um, a little bit further into that, do you do you still pay income tax on your contributions, or can your salary sacrifice it?
3: Ah, uh, no. Well. Any contributions made by your employee into a self-managed super fund, you're still paying 15% tax. Okay, yeah. Even if it's in an industry fund, they're still paying 15% tax. Okay. So no difference. Okay. Salary sacrifice, so you can put more money in the super if you want to, mm-hmm. as part of a strategy moving forward. But everyone's different, all right. So some people who are nearing retirement do that. They want to put more money into super because yeah. they're nearing retirement. Yeah. Some people are younger um at this point, they might uh, do that as a saving mechanism, but mm. they know they can't touch it because there are some people that just spend yeah and you can, and there's not a way of life today so um and that's what they find as a way of putting money away aside to for their for their retirement mm. um but it also depends on what. Uh, what you're doing outside this self-managed supermation fund. You don't want a salary sacrifice and then all of a sudden your cash flow strapped on outside the fund and yeah. you can't make your mortgage repayments in your family home or other investment properties you may have. you just got to weigh all that up as yeah. such. Um, so everyone's different and that's okay. why you need to sit down with um, an expert, being a financial planner or their accountant, also at the same time to work... Work together to to work out the best
2: outcome for everyone. So whether self, um, whether salary sacrifice or contributing extra funds or renegotiating potentially with your employer to increase your uh, your superannuation payments, that's not something people have to decide on their own. They can have that conversation with yourselves as accountants to, that's right. to work out how the tax side of that works, and yep. that's. A, the long version of accountant is tax accountant. That's essentially what accountants are. They're there to look after your tax and making make sure that you can get the best outcome. So it doesn't suit everybody, but some people are on a higher income or like Mario said on, uh, you know, getting to that age where they're starting to think about retirement a little bit more, maybe mid to late 50s and they really need to think about that. And sometimes the advice can be, to contribute a little bit more to super as you're getting closer because if you're in your 20s, you can't access that for 40-plus years. So if you're getting closer to retirement, then you can access it sooner. Um, So it does suit some people to do that, and we've had a lot of people that have put that in as part of their strategy. But I think just because you've got a self-managed super fund doesn't mean that you have to make those decisions yourself. So that all comes mm. into your tax planning and your retirement planning and this is why it's important as an investor to have these conversations yeah. because it gives you all of the options on the table, whether you say yes or no to them, unless you know what those options are.
1: Mm. Again, that's that's really good to know because I think that alongside that self-managed term, mm. you don't have to make all those decisions yourself.
3: Well, you have, like I said before, you have a team around you that help mm. you, guide you through that yeah. process to make, to make a decision that's going to be beneficial for you personally. Mm. Right, mm-hmm. everyone's different. Everyone's circumstances are different. Yeah, Um, that's why you need a good team of experts around you.
1: And at the end of the day, it's still their choice. But after that, hundred percent. Yeah, hundred yeah. yeah. percent.
3: Uh, everyone has to make their own decisions. And in, in the end of it all, uh, they're going to be comfortable with. Yes. Right. Yeah. That's that's one of the things I always stress. Is if I find that someone's not uncomfortable with something, mm. stay away from it. Yeah. yeah. Right. Uh, you need to be a hundred percent. Um, behind it and comfortable moving with that strategy, yeah. Um, because you know, like I said, you know, it goes up and down. There's a roller coaster at times. Like interest rates go up, property prices are starting to come down a little bit, right? You, you need to be mindful that what's going to happen. The great example was GFC when it hit, mm-hmm. right? Um, we look, we I look after a lot of our SMS for a lot of elderly clients. It's amazing, but there's a lot of elderly clients out there to have SMSs, all mm-hmm. right? Um, when we had the GFC, they they all went in the panic mode. Oh my God! My my share portfolio has dropped by half, I've fostered? Well, Just calm down. Uh, you just guide them through the process. Look, you're pulling out a pension every month. Is that being affected? The dividends are still being paid,
0: mm-hmm.
3: right? So, do you if you? So therefore, they don't need to sell the shares to supplement their pension. Because they're still getting enough dividend income, yeah. said, so let's wait, ride the storm, because eventually the share price will come back up again. Mm. It has, mm. so and and it's it's guiding through that that process for a lot of people helps them a lot. Yeah. So yeah. um, so yeah, it, it's it works well. So um, and that's why I said you just need some to guide and just calm people down in relation to, and think outside. It's not all doom and gloom. Um, there's yeah. a process we need to go. Mm. Sometimes you need that expert to say. Let's t- take a deep breath.
2: Let's go think about it a bit more clearly, and let's take one step at a time. Yeah,
1: yeah.
2: Look, at, and I think that's the the thing is having that team approach, like we mentioned in "Let's Get Real" and in in um, in the first book, mm-hmm. is having that team of people and knowing knowing what advice you need to get from who it makes you a better investor the more questions you ask the better investor you're going to become and of course the better investor you become the better results you should be getting Mm -hmm. over the long term
1: absolutely so yeah one of the next questions was actually to do with the structure of sms and um, if they're similar to a retail fund meaning one person per fund or can you have more you've just said that you can have up to six people um but if you so if you can have more than one person in the fund what happens when, say, one of the members retires or, you know, worst-case scenario, one of them passes away before retirement? Oh. Do, you, do the other members inherit the super? What happens no, no, there? No,
3: no, no, no. Well, there's, a, there's a number of processes in there, like DEF, DEF benefit nomination forms as such, that gets completed. Um, some of them go for about three years and some are binding um, as such. And that determines where that member's balance goes to, all right? Now, in a fund, if you've got more than two or three people... Each person in that fund has a member's balance. Okay. Yeah. And that's part of the process we do when we do the financial accounts, the compliance work, we say what well, this is what your members' balances are. Because you might have a situation whereby someone contributes more money than the other. Okay. Right. Um, therefore, because they're contributing more, they get more of the profits as such, because mm-hmm. of the depending on the percentages. Yep. So it's no one's disadvantaged um, as such. But when a person passes away, a member person passes away, it then falls back in that deathbed nomination form, which normally determines who goes to. Some people say it's per their will. Some people allocate to their um, their spouses as such. Yeah. Um. So it's just different in everyone's senses.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah. That's, that's good to know as well because I feel like there would definitely be cases where people go into one and then, I don't know, they might have a falling out in, in some way or another and then that gets a bit messy. But if, if it's... If you've got member balances and it's recorded at how right. much people contribute, yeah. that and, makes and, it and everyone signs off on it, yeah, okay. it's not mm. like
3: one one person. My member signs off for everyone; mm. everyone signs off on okay. it. Okay, so everyone has the opportunity to review what they've been given and to come back to questions like to Georgia or myself, and we go through and explain how we arrived at these balances as such. Yeah, and and normally it's just it just you sign off and it's fine. Okay. Um, when you have a certain scenario, there's a business uh, split or um, uh, a marriage breakdown, mm. uh, all that changes things, right? Um, and that bit, sometimes when it's a marriage split as such, the family law courts determine what goes where, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, as part of the deal with, uh, with splitting up assets as such. Okay. Right? So,
2: um, yeah, everyone's different. Generally, for, for setting that up, if you've got up to six members, it used to be four a little while ago. That's right. um, And they've just changed it. And there was talk of it going up to 10 or, or more, I think. I don't know if that's going to happen. But generally... Um, those people would be people you know. They're mm-hmm. going to be family members or someone that's already very close to you. Not likely, and I haven't experienced it where you're six complete strangers or mm-hmm. friends get together and, and set up a self sort of yeah. fund. It's usually brothers and sisters, yeah. cousins, and people that are very close to you anyway. So th- there is obviously family disputes from time to time, but that's covered in the deed how, how things are treated. Okay. And it's all, it's like setting up a company. When you set up a company and a trust, Structure, it's all documented how certain things need to be done. Tax mm-hmm. returns and uh, appointing the accountant, for example, all those things are covered off in those documents so that everybody knows what's going on. Mm-hmm. So it minimizes the chance of uh, disputes coming up over mm-hmm. over uh, how things are to be done.
1: Mm-hmm. That's good to know. So to sort of wrap up this episode today, um, who's the best person to talk to to get started with this? Because I know Financial planners and accountants kind of have different jobs as far as SMSFs.
3: Yeah, well, it's, it's it's a little bit difficult as such because um, of the ASIC rules associated with the rules at the moment in relation to establishing an SMSF. If a client comes to me and says, Murray, I want to set up an SMSF. All right, so then I said, that's fine, we can set it all up, but do you know the pros and cons? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah no, I just want to set it up. Yeah. No, that's probably where someone's... And arming and hiring and wanting advice. Well, then you need to fall back uh, and get uh, a financial planner, right? Yeah. To come back and say whether well, it's going to f- f- uh, work for them. Now, they have to understand to a certain degree what the strategy is, right? Number one, um, because when a when a when a financial planner sits down, he he follows like for the risk assessments of the individual is one. Number two is what. The ATA requires the two hundred thousand such. Yeah. So they need to understand this. This is what the financial plan is working around, and they, and they've got to comply. They can't not comply because um, ASIC will go after them. Yeah. You know, it might not be the member, but it'll be ASIC. Yeah. Right? And yeah. They, and they have got to hold their licenses, right? So it's a matter of understanding where the financial plan is coming from, and also um, what your strategy moving forward is, right? And and then it comes down to the member making all the. To making the decision whether or not they proceed with the SMSF, Um, or yes, they're going to go with it. Um, I'm more than comfortable with it. Um, let's go ahead and do it. Mm-hmm. Um, it. But it's everyone's different as such, um, but everyone's
2: working to set of rules, government rules. So you just got to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. You know? I think uh, the, the tricky part is that if you go to a financial planner, and I've experienced this myself, they can't talk about residential property. That's right. So whenever they're talking about giving advice they're only talking about the advice surrounding the financial products that they can offer, which is, which is a share portfolio or something that has a product disclosure statement. There's trillions of dollars worth of Australian residential property out there and every single property is different. So there isn't a product disclosure statement for every property out there. It's just impossible. So a financial planner can't actually talk about buying a property, a specific property, and getting a loan in it uh, loan for it, sorry, loan against it in your self-managed super fund. They can't talk about that. Okay. So this is why I guess a financial planner has a role and responsibility in this. But if you go to a financial planner saying, I want to build a property portfolio, they can't give you advice on it. It might form part of the strategy. Yeah. But of course, at that stage, they're also going to be looking at how they can diversify your funds as well. So even though it might be a self-managed super fund, a financial planner is still going to help with various parts of that to diversify some of your funds. So you might want to go out there and set up a self-managed super fund and just buy a property. Mm. The financial planner might advise against that because they might suggest that you need some money in the stock market and various other things as well. So it's going to be different on a case-by-case basis. But generally, um, from my experience, when I've gone and spoken to a financial planner, they've told me not to put all my money in property. Yet property seems to have worked pretty well for me so yeah. far. So, you know, I think it, that is where the self-managed component comes into it is that you, to a certain extent, need to tell your advisors what you want to do mm-hmm. um, and then go down that path and making sure that you're asking questions about what what your end outcome is and how you want to structure that.
1: Okay, because I was under the impression you probably engage both an accountant and a financial yeah. planner. Yeah. Would you say you would still engage both, or is there sort of one? Well, you, over the you other, do or? need
3: this because when you're going for finance through a self management fund, they need. Some, some of the finance companies actually need a financial a letter to to say that they agree, they understand the process. Mm. Yeah, um, that's a bank's wanting that information. Yeah. So you do need to, you do need to go through to see. Financial planner, yeah. and you will um, need them for insurances and things. Hundred percent, hundred percent. Because uh, and also, like, you might have a property in there, but there might be excess cash. Mm-hmm. You're going to stick in the bank account, earning half percent. You're not going to do that. Yeah. You want to, you want to look mm-hmm. at uh, building that up too, now, and mm-hmm. and. And I think that's where financial planning can give you the opportunity to look at other products as such,
1: yep. mm-hmm.
3: all right? like a portfolio of shares, once you've got that property there too. Yep. So it helps you. Um, they, they guide you through the different types of investments. Um, it isn't just property. They've got shares, property trusts, and all that type of things.
2: I think there's different layers to it. So obviously making a decision that as an investor you want to set that up, if you want to do that, then of course you can speak to the accountants. They can set the super fund up for you. You can speak to your mentor about which properties to select. You can then, if you've got excess cash, if you want to put your money into property, you can do that. And you might have $20,000, dollars $40,000 left over. You can speak to the financial planner about getting the best outcome for that. Because obviously, after you've bought the property, you can have ongoing superannuation contributions coming from your employer. So your balance is going to continue to increase. Um, generally, in a self-managed super fund, your loan against the property is going to be principal and interest so over time that loan's going to be reducing and you're going to have excess cash in the portfolio so you're going to need a financial planner at some level look okay. after your life insurance and other insurances you need uh, property based insurances such as your uh, landlord's insurance that's separate that's outside of your super fund so your financial planner is not going to give you advice on that okay. but of course you know there are multiple people involved and this is when we talk about having an expert team around you it's not something that you're going to learn necessarily straight away. Some people, this is really confusing stuff. Some people, they understand it. They understand the financial world a little bit better than others. But the, the main thing is, is learning, asking questions. And this is why we've had a Q and A today, really is to make sure that we're, we're covering off a lot of the general sort of questions. Mm. Um, mm. obviously, if, if somebody's going to speak to Mario and Georgia a lot of these questions will already get asked. Mm. So it probably saves you a little bit of time mm. uh, covering off you know, <laughs> these types of questions. But obviously for everyone's situation, it's going to be different as to what their end outcome is. And obviously your age is going to be a big um, contributor to, to mm. what your strategy is mm. as well. If you're in your 20s or 30s, you're going to have a very different plan and strategy to someone in their 50s or, or mm. uh, in their 40s. Yeah, because mm. someone younger doesn't have a lot
3: in super at this point in time.
1: Yeah, okay.
3: Right? So compared to someone who's my age, uh, I might go into detail with that one, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah um, um But you know, have money to put away for starting because I'm getting close to retirement. I'm going to start planning for all that. Mm-hmm. So I'm now, as a strategy for me personally, I'm putting more and more super in away um, this year and over the last probably three or four years now. Mm-hmm. And time progressing, I'm going to put a little bit more because uh, I want to start building that side of the um. um of my retirement aspects of it because I've been in you know, accounting practice, mm-hmm. um, brought a family home, and I did all those, all those types of things and I've paid that off. And yeah, so it's now working towards getting to a situation whereby I've got to start looking at more retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't stay young forever, but um, mm-hmm. it's something important that uh, we all need to do. So,
1: yeah. So, the best person to talk to or the best people to talk to is your team of experts, essentially. That's right. Yeah, okay. Well, I want to thank you all for being here today. Um, there were actually quite a few more questions provided by the mentors as to, you know, what they're being asked day in, day out about SMSFs. Um, however, we will wrap it up there for today. Um, Mario, thank you very much for your time. Georgia and Luke, thank you so
2: much. Thank you. Thanks very
0: If you found this episode, or any of our episodes helpful, please make sure to share and leave a rating to help us reach more people on their investing journeys. And of course, subscribe to be notified when new episodes drop. Make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at Investor Intelligence Podcast. You can find links to our other socials in the show notes, including a link to the Property Mentors weekly blog. If you're ready to get your property portfolio in shape for financial freedom, check out Luke's latest book, Property Fit. You can get yourself a copy at www.propertyfitbook.com.au.